welcome, welcome again to another rendition of the Project TF interview. My name is Sergey Salas. I'm Steve Discovery. I'm How you doing, my brother? I'm well, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, man. I got this big beard because it's getting cold outside, man. I got to stay warm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, I'm, I'm pleased to announce we have a special guest. I want to say your last name right. I know how to say your first name. How do you say your last name? Amorales. Amorales, okay. Uh, Charlene Amorales. Uh, how's it going, Charlene? It's a pleasure to officially meet you both. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for taking the time out. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, so uh, if you could tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, how many kids you got, and uh, what are their ages, and also what do you do professionally? So I have two. I have one that will be 16 in December and one that uh, turned 13 in August. So I have two teenage boys. One I'm trying to teach how to drive. That's a challenge um, <laughs> and a little scary. Um, and, uh, but I love them both to death. And honestly, I always wanted sons and that's exactly what I got. So I was very lucky to get what I was asking for. But with that being said, these kids, they are two totally different people. Mm -hmm. And I feed them the same, I dress them the same, and they are the most two unique individuals that I have ever met. They are so different. They act like they came from two different DNA samples and they do not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're, they're both fun and unique in their own way. And they both teach you, I think, uh, the children teach us a lot, a lot. Um, they teach us patience and how we go about things and how we address things. And I think they bring out the best in us, if I have to say. So before like we got on, um, you were telling us about a situation that's going on with your son at his school. Can you, um, can you talk about that a little bit more? Because you, you know, you just brought up like being patient and you know fighting, advocating for you for your sons. Can you talk about that situation? So first and foremost, I, I have to say that I think us as parents um, across the board, you know, mothers or fathers, we are our children's biggest advocates. So who knows our kids better than us? You know, we were there from the beginning. We were there. We'll be there until we're not there. Hopefully, that's the goal, right? Um, and if we are not actively advocating for our children in every way, whether that be educationally, um, financially, in whatever way, we're not doing our job. Because um, they depend on us. They depend on us for everything because they don't know. And with experience, experience is the best teacher, you know? Um, so I was saying a little bit before we got recording is that both of my children um, are on some sort of uh, a plan. I have my younger sons on a 504 plan and my older sons on an IEP. For those that don't know that, what that is, it's an individual education plan. So back in the day, uh, I feel that teachers, when they ran across a student that needed a little bit more help, they were more willing to step in, hey, come in early, stay a little later, don't have lunch in the cafeteria, eat lunch here, we'll kind of go over whatever we're learning or you have questions on, more on a one-on-one. -on -one. Also helped a lot with, you know, not asking those questions when everybody else is watching. 
because nobody likes to be singled out and ask a question and then they're like that question's dumb you know <laughs> what do you mean you didn't know that duh you know um but I feel that we've started to pull away from those and I don't know if it's the restraints that superintendents or boards or states etc are placing upon our teachers or the stress that they're handling or the volume of children that are in, in each classrooms. Um, all these can be mitigating factors and I, I can't address those because I'm not an educator. Um, my background is that I'm a paralegal. So I have um, an associates in criminal justice, my paralegal certificate that's recognized by the ABA, the American Board Association. And I have a master, a bachelor's in public service administration and a master's degree in administrative science. So I am educated. Um, I just am not an educator. <laughs> and um, so when I started to see issues that my child was having in school, I leaned on what I know, which is the law. So I really found it helpful to know that as um, a child who has an IEP or a 504, what are my legal rights as a parent? What am I entitled to? And when I say I, I mean, obviously myself and my children, what services, what care um, are we entitled to? Um, and what level, what, what should be my expectations? You know, And what should I be demanding for my children? So, that took me on a self-education ride um, where Amazon was my first stop. Uh, went in there and literally typed up IEP book, federal laws, and just started Google, you know, got my books, couldn't wait, and then sat there like a good student with my highlighter and just started highlight highlighting away things that my child um, fell into the category of. So for example, you know, my child's not deaf, so he doesn't need an interpreter. That didn't mesh with what I needed, may work for somebody else, but it wasn't the resource that I needed. So what resources were at my disposal legally and put into place for me um, to better assist my children to get to the goals where they could be self-relying um, self adults, because that's our goal, right? Is for them to be able to take care of themselves efficiently and into the best of their abilities as adults. Um, I did encounter quite a few roadblocks and I still kind of do. Um, I will say that my biggest tip to anybody, and honestly, my aunt who has been an educator for over 30 years, she told me this and I've been using it since then, um, is the schools and teachers tend to come to you with problems. Your kid is not focusing your kid is not completing his work, oh, he's refusing to do that, whatever the case may be. Listen to them, acknowledge their concerns, and then ask them, thank you for letting me know. So what is your game plan moving forward to resolve the problem? So you're basically switching the blame or the responsibility of correction, correcting the action from yourself, and you're placing it back onto them. Because they're really quick to dump it on you but quite frankly, from the hours of whatever, eight to three or whatever whatever the schedule is, 
they're their responsibilities and they're the ones that are there um, in the front lines and who are really more prepared to address whatever problems are coming up. I'm at work, I'm at home, I'm doing whatever it is that I need to get done. Um, so they kind of need to figure it out. I can talk to my child, but ultimately I am not there when he's taking that math test or you know, writing that essay. What are you doing? So does your son have um, like any special um, accommodations that he gets through the school because um, of the IEP? He does. And there's, um, as you get a little older, the, the accommodations start to diminish a little bit because they feel that the kids should be a little bit more self-reliant, which is fine. Um, I understand to a degree. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's your very standard um accommodations which is you know sitting in the front having somebody repeat um etc these are very standard accommodations but sometimes they are not enough and i have once again referring back to self-education i have um we were talking for a minute and then my other son said why do you talk to him so much <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, you know what? If you weren't always like, every time I try to talk to you, you're like, ah. Oh. And I go, that's very discouraging. Nobody wants to talk to a person that's like, every time you try to explain something, they go, oh, I know. Um, that can be very frustrating. So I am not motivated to speak to somebody who keeps dismissing me. If you don't dismiss me, I'll be happy to talk to you. But if you keep giving me an attitude, I don't really want to talk to you. <laughs> So he was, you know that he's he just like I said turned turn 13 he goes ah. he's like thought about it like I, I see like almost like the mental wheels going and he goes hmm, I guess I am turning into a teenager and I'm like well I don't know if you want to talk to me you're gonna have to really figure that out because nobody likes to be dismissed nobody okay. so if you're if that's the approach that you're gonna want to take you're going to run into an a lot of obstacles. I mean, I love you regardless, but there's a whole bunch of other people out there that are not going to feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Do you think he, he gets that from you? Um, I do see myself a lot in, in his traits. Um, and it's funny, right? Because we start looking, we look at them and we see traits in ourselves and traits that we like sometimes don't like, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he loves history and he is one to be like on YouTube and, and he is all about it. And he will know the last grain of sand somewhere. And I, I, can, I can understand this because I'm also one person that when I like fixate on a topic, I'm all about it. I want to learn everything about it. And I get that, but he like takes it up to like the next level. So I'm like here and he's like way up here, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, your next level is great, but sometimes it's a bit much. I don't know, I'm just saying. And um, my older son, he emulates a lot of the things that I like. Like he likes to go out swimming. He likes to be active. He's very social. And I am like that, right? 
So I definitely see those um, ability, like those key personality traits in each of them. Yeah. Um, so it's it's funny how how DNA works, right? You know. And then sometimes we see things and we're just like, I don't like that. Who are you? <laughs> I guess if your older son is like you in those ways, as far as like socially, then you would naturally talk to him more. And I, I, but I actively try to speak to the little one and I'll be like, you know, I'll bring up something historical or something and he'll just be like, I know that already. And I'll be like, (laughs) have a dialogue with you on a topic that you would maybe like, work with me here, you know? No, it doesn't work like that. So. We had some connectivity issues. You were about to give us some advice on uh, how to handle, um, you know, situations where your kids are getting need extra assistance. Like in the IEP program, I have a son myself that's in an IEP program. So uh, what would that advice be to those parents? My advice um, really know what your rights are, right? What you can ask for, um, what accommodations would best be suited for your individualized child. And most importantly, I would have to say that that annual meeting that you have to do, number one, it doesn't have to be just annual. You can have that change at any point. So if you see that your kid could benefit for something else, don't wait till next year. Ask for a meeting right away and they can change it for you effective immediately. Um, Also, try to really place a lot of these um, responsibilities back on them. You know, don't just listen to them bitch and whine about your kid. Be like, that's great. What are you doing about it? Like, I know what I'm doing. What are you doing? Um, and you'd be surprised. They come up, you know, honestly, I'll, I'll, yesterday, my kid's social studies teacher couldn't make the, the meeting that I asked for at the beginning of the school year. He made it yesterday. Didn't know. I didn't know he was going to call in the middle of like trying to get my battery fixed from triple A. So not prime time, hundred percent me paying a 1 million percent attention to you. Right. Cause I'm focused on something else that I already had planned. Right. And, um, he starts giving me all like, oh, he's not wanting to answer these open-ended questions, this and that. And I was like, okay, that's great. I go, while I understand your concern, Um, and thank you for bringing that up to my attention. Um, would you agree that different people learn in different ways and not everybody is great writing things down, getting their ideas and their thoughts on the written paper. Some people are much better at communicating orally opposed to in written form. Would you agree with that? Well, yes. Okay. So then as an accommodation, can we not change him answering these open-ended questions in written form, but can you just not ask him orally? And at the end of the day, isn't what what's important is that he is digesting the information and being able to regurgitate that in a, in a coherent manner? Well, I can't do that for everything because, you know, then the school exams, they expect written form. Okay. While I understand that the state has their requirements that he needs to answer certain essay questions and stuff like that. And while I appreciate um, you wanting to reinforce these techniques, 
ultimately, this is history. And what's important is his ability to understand the material. So I've acknowledged his effort and the problem, but I've also suggested something that could possibly resolve the issue, right? And then we kind of went back and forth. And, and at some point, you know, I used myself as an example, you know, which I tend to do a lot. I was like, look, honestly, I was diagnosed with dyslexia many, many years ago. This is not even actually a term that is really used anymore, right? Um, but I was, and I was like, look, I am a paralegal. I write a, a lot of shit all the time, okay? Let's call it what it is. I go, but I, when I'm getting my thoughts down, I don't stop because I spelled something incorrectly. I will get out all of my thoughts, write it down, reread it, and correct it accordingly. But if I stop, then I lose that whole momentum of what was I trying to get across? What information was I trying to say? I go, so that's a technique that I've used. And with that, I could tell you, I was horrible at math and I was a head teller in a bank. So it hasn't stopped me in doing what I need to get done. I've just found ways around it. You know, um, he felt compelled after I said that to tell me he was also an attorney. I don't really care. <laughs> Like we are comparing somehow. I just wanted to convey to him that not everybody learns in the same manner. And then somehow that became a, a competition of whatever. But um, long story short is at the end of the day, I was like, look, I drop off my kids 30 minutes, my kid 30 minutes before school starts because the other one starts at 740 in the morning and his doesn't start until 830. And the earliest I can drop off is 8 a.m. So consistently, he's there 30 minutes early before school starts. If you need him to stay after school, cool. Just let me know what days and I'll make my, my, um, my schedule accordingly. And if not, pull him out during lunch. Like he can eat in your classroom. If that works for you, I don't know. Tell me what works best for you. And I will try my best to accommodate that accordingly. But I really need you to be able, oh, well, he can come upstairs anytime he wants. Let's be real. The kids aren't going to want to go upstairs unless you're neither calling him, looking for him. He's going to want to sit downstairs and eat his breakfast for 30 minutes, then rather be upstairs and looking at your face for, you know, an extra 30 minutes that he didn't have to. You know, let, let's, let's keep it real. That's how we would feel if we were at work, right? You know, if we're going to work, I'm not going to voluntarily give you an extra 30 minutes of my day just because um, I have to be co coaxed into it, you know? So go get them in the lunchroom. The school is not that big. Go get them. It's, it's not that complicated. <laughs> but that's what I mean about like almost the, the teachers not putting in that effort, you know, yeah. that feel that back in the day it was um, 